0: Welcome back to Seat Go Create. This is your host, Tim Winders. We've just relocated. I'm now in Colorado. We've got the, uh, the mobile uh, office and living and broadcast studio. We nicknamed Theo is what we call our RV. And we've got them now in Colorado. We, for this month, are visiting our grandchildren. And I am parked just a few feet away from their house. My uh, my daughter and her husband have a new house that allows us to park here. So I am so excited to be here because we get to hang out with our two-and-a-half-year-old and our five-, six-month-old granddaughter. And I tell people all the time that a two-and-a-half-year-old is about my mental state most of the time. So, we have a lot of fun together. So, uh, some of you folks will know that if you've been listening in to Seek Go Create. I'm inquisitive and curious and love to ask questions at about that two and a half, three year old level. But glad you're here. We've got a great guest, and I'm going to jump right in. We've got uh, John Sanders with us. He and his partner, Les Hughes, are the co founders of something called Entree Pastors, and they're co host of the Entree Pastors podcast. John and Les have come together, listen to this, to empower pastors to maximize their God-given talents, to take better care of their families and become better pastors in the process. And so we're going to be talking about ministry. We're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about business and bringing all those together. John, welcome to SeatGo Go Create.
1: Tim, thank you so much, my friend. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to our conversation.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. I, I, you know, We have a lot of people that come to us Wanting to be on the show and we reach out to some people and y'all's, y'all's, I think one sheet or bio came across the desk and, and I've got some people in my family that kind of weed through things and they go, I think you're going to like these guys. And I read through it and I go, yes, let's sign them up. Let's get them on the podcast because I love, I mean, people know we talk leadership business ministry. We mash it all together here. And so we're going to be doing that over the next few minutes. So make sure you listen in. I I do want to do this. I want to jump into the question I like to ask first, just to kind of get our juices flowing. And that is, uh, John, I haven't, let's just pretend I haven't read your bio. I haven't done all the research I've done on you guys the last few days. And we just bump into each other somewhere. What part of the world do you what, what part of the world are you in right now?
1: I live just north of Sioux Falls, South Dakota.
0: Just north of Sioux Falls. You know, we just left Rapid City not too long ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's God's
1: country out there. That's the other side of the state.
0: We love hanging out in Rapid City. So we're working our way south now as the weather gets colder. But uh, let's just say we bump into each other somewhere. I don't know, middle of the state Pierre, or you're out in Rapid City at some point when I'm there and we bump into each other and say, John, what do you do? How would you answer? What do you tell people?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And it kind of depends on how long I want the conversation to go or the context uh, because there's there's several answers I could give to that. And it's not that I lead a double life, but I have multiple irons in the fire. So uh, I might tell you that I've been in pastoral ministry for my entire life. And we may have a conversation about that. I could tell you that I'm a full-time firefighter and leave it at that because that often brings up some conversation with people because I do work full-time as a firefighter EMT. I could tell you that I'm an entrepreneur, uh, own several businesses, including a podcasting, coaching business, a handyman business. Um, So I wear several hats. I could tell you I'm a husband, a father, also a grandfather. Have a one-year-old grandson, so love that. That's a fun se- season of life we're in right now. Um, so yeah, I I do several things.
0: Excellent. Well, that's going to give us a lot to talk about. But I want to I want to talk about the last one you mentioned first, being a grand grandfather. I've been meditating on this recently because I've got a someone who's got a faith background. I could ask this question. I really believe that the gift that God has for us above all else is to be grandparents. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Man, it is the coolest thing ever. I thought I liked being a parent. I, I really like being a grandparent. So I think grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your own children along the way. So <laughs> it's, it, we're having a lot of fun.
0: There's a lot of wisdom there. You know, I was, uh, I was either interviewing someone or they were interviewing me the other day and we were kind of having a similar conversation and this came out of my mouth. So because you've got a background and I know you've studied scriptures and things like that, I'll ask this. I believe that God's greatest desire is to treat us like grandparents would treat us. However, because of us being disobedient so often, he has to treat us like parents. What are your thoughts on that theory?
1: That's interesting. I've never been asked that before. One, one, maybe difference that i have as a grandparent is i'm not the stereotypical i don't really buy into that idea of like grandkids get away with anything they want at grandpa and grandma's i mean we may be a little bit more lax on some things than mom and dad but really we try to support mom and dad and their you know parenting boundaries and all of that so i kind of cringe when I see grandparents that, you know, counter contradict what mom and dad are trying to instill in the lives of their children. Um, but, but I do, that's an interesting thought though, because I do believe that God's heart toward us would desire to, to have us crawl up in his lap and snuggle more like a grandfather would versus the dad that sometimes has to get in our grill and deal with some stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, I'll have to, I'll have to meditate on that a little bit. That's a good question. I'm,
0: I'm kind of the same way. It's not a very, uh, well thought out theory or anything, but I, I'm, we're in the midst of going to read through the Bible. My wife and I are, and so we've spent, you know, nine, uh, almost 10 months in the Old Testament and we've just moved into the gospels. And, uh, you know, I'm just kind of wondering, man, there was just a lot of stuff going on in that Old Testament. What was God really trying to accomplish? And yeah. so we, we, won't, we won't get into that here, but uh, so, so you wear a lot of hats. And, and I do want to make sure as we have this conversation that, you know, we include, uh, uh, include what Les does in this, because I think what y'all are doing together is pretty powerful. Why don't you just let's briefly talk about what Entree Pastors uh, d- does and then yeah. what I may do is I want to back up and talk about your backgrounds and things like that. And then we may finish up with a little more details and give some tips and teaching to people that might be in roles that would fit in that way. So tell us what they do, what you guys do together there.
1: You bet. And we can get more into the the backstory of it, but essentially my partner, Les Hughes and myself both grew up in and around pastoral ministry. We've both served as lead pastors in the church for many years. And We both in our own separate journeys kind of came to the realization that the way that we've been told and modeled that full-time ministry looks like, you know, there's this narrative that says if you want to serve God full-time with your life, it looks like this very narrow thing where you have a professional, I'm going to use air quotes, professional career that is primarily centered within the four walls of a church building and nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's many godly men and women that are serving in that capacity and they're serving out of good hearts, but but we both have discovered some massive limitations that that model has produced. We've both come to realize um, some of the damage that is being caused in pastors', pastors lives and that of the churches they're leading. And uh, we decided to do something about it. Here's kind of the big idea behind Entree Pastors. We're, we're taking the word entrepreneur and pastor and mashing it together. And we basically say we are done with that narrative of the starving pastor. This idea that to serve God in pastoral ministry is also synonymous with being broke and barely making it financially that somehow that's a sign you know, sign of your righteousness or holiness we're done with that narrative. And our message to pastors is not, hey, go make more money at your church, have them pay you more. It's let's get you out in the marketplace where, by the way, there's a whole lot of unsaved people and a lot of ministry to have to happen out there. But there's also no ceiling to your earning potential. Let's go launch a business and let's thrive financially and lead the church and we think it forces a lot of healthy conversations within the church and we can get into some of that if we want but that's really what we do we help pastors think differently about money and business and finances and we help them launch businesses so that they can thrive financially
0: yeah i think we might have said before i hit record that this topic excites me to no end because what it is what what we're doing i believe is we're admitting that there's some flaws in the current structure. And Absolutely. I'm a you may not know my background. I'm a system industrial and systems engineer from Georgia Tech. So I keep looking at the systems that we have in our current I'll call it the religion, the world of religion. Yeah. Um, and and I just see that there's so many things that are broken there. And you know, in a lot of in a lot of areas you can't have these conversations because people don't want to hear it. Now I yeah. think the pandemic and a lot of things that have happened have opened us up to be able to talk about it a little bit more because it didn't work well through the pandemic. Right. And, and we're still seeing right. those repercussions, right?
1: Tim, what I've been saying before the pandemic even hit, on uh, I was saying to my audience on a different podcast, which was Four Pastors, that... The model we call church is broken and it's time we fix it. And I'm trying to make the case for that. And it's not hard. All I have to do is point to the thousands of pastors who quit ministry every single year and they don't leave healthy. They leave feeling like they've completely failed. They feel that they're discouraged, they're depressed. In some cases, they're questioning their faith altogether. The church was not doing great. And and I wanna make a quick distinction. The Church of Jesus Christ, the Big C Church is in great hands. It belongs to Jesus. It's the institutional church that we have built, the model that we have called church. Um, it, it's time to overhaul that thing and change some things. And I've been saying that even before COVID hit. And certainly what we saw in COVID was that our model didn't survive a pandemic very well. you know. And and so, again, I, I'm excited about that. I know at, at first glance that may sound really harsh or may sound abrasive or sad and depressing. I think the best days of the church are still in front of us. I really do. And I think that uh, there's some shaking going on in the church right now. And part of that is let's get pastors out of the, you know, oval or their, uh, what do they call it? Their ivory towers. I almost said the oval office. That's a different, uh, different place. Uh, Let's get them out of the ivory tower of their offices and let's get them out into the marketplace. Let's get them back on main street where, the people are at, you know? So anyway, there's a lot about it, but I I think that it's time to see the church get healthy again. And we, we hope to be playing a part in that story at some level.
0: Yeah. John, some of the things I wonder, and this is kind of the way my mind works. And for those people listening in, this is not unique. Me saying this is, uh, you know, I I think we're taking something that is really a kingdom of God, um, (laughs) something that's that's within the kingdom of God. And we're trying to attach system of the world principles with it is the reason why church has become the way it is with the debt that they're bringing on, with the way they isolate themselves. And I, and I mean that in a nice way, even though it sounds harsh. Churches basically build their little walls. I'll say it in the harsh way. I really say it, John. Many ministries out there pastors churches etc they're really trying to build their kingdom instead of the kingdom of god and they get kind of comfortable within their whole little world and if i say anything you'd love to disagree with i'm going to give you a chance to do that and i think what they're doing is they're trying to use world system principles instead of that wide open kingdom of god and uh and and i think that that's really what's getting uh causing a lot of issues what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah, I don't disagree. Maybe one caveat I would put on that because I, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to the majority there there's certainly some bad eggs out there. always has been, always will be. But by and large, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to the many men and women who have led the church or you know been a participant in the church. but it's been easy in a quote unquote Christian society where all of the rules are stacked in our favor and and the culture supports what we're doing. There's a cultural, element of Christianity it's very easy to build what we have built where we just build little buildings and we meet in our buildings and we turn our back on the rest of the community. we kind of become a country club for those that are in and and it's be it's been easy to do that. And I think more and more as our culture is quickly you know on us in a swift current pulling us far and fast from anything resembling a Christian nation if we ever were one, uh, it's left the church reeling in some ways. The, the the strategies that used to work to build a church and grow a church aren't working anymore. And in large part, it's because we we have adopted a model that said, hey, our doors are open. You come to us. We invite you in. You come to us and kind of conform to how we do things. And, and that's totally opposite of what Jesus told us to do. He told us to go to go into the world, and to reach people. And I think it's time that the church gets back to that going piece and, and learning again, what does that look like to leave this building of four walls and get out into the community and engage people that jesus gave his life for and that he loves so yeah there's a lot to it but i don't disagree with anything you're saying there tim
0: yeah the, the reason i like that first of all great job using the middle word of our description go most people then can kind of know where that comes from but yeah i i, I guess maybe that is something that is bothersome to me too is that you know that we create these comfort zones in churches and you may not know this i spent a couple years in bible school and i jumped in as a business guy being around a lot of people that their goal in life was to become a full-time minister that was their goal and and there's also a pecking order i don't know if you've noticed this but you start getting around people that call themselves followers of christ christians and and they really believe their life is set apart You know, they quote the scriptures for, uh, you know, he knew you at the beginning, you're called to this and all that. All all those words. I'm I'm not as cynical about them as I sound, but uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Right. And, And so people say full time ministry is the absolute pinnacle and probably being a missionary in some third world country is just a little higher than full time ministry. in you know, one of the first world countries. And, and then I think people go into it and I'm not sure a couple things. Number one, I'm not sure that should be the goal. And then number two, I'm, I'm not sure that people really have the capacity. And when I say have the capacity, I'm not really sure that that's what we're designed to do. And we could, we could look at scriptures to back that up also. You know, I mean, I, I really do think that in the ministry settings we have where people being trained. I think that we're pointing people in in a direction that's going to set them up where success is going to be even harder, and that's what you guys address. Address, I know.
1: Yeah, there is a flawed dichotomy, Tim, that we've really accepted for far too long, and it's what we call the the sacred versus secular I- ideology. That there's certain parts of life that are sacred that God cares a little bit more about those things, and then uh, you know if it doesn't fall into that, it's just secular, icky, worldly stuff. And and so to a kid growing up in church, that phrase, full-time Christian ministry, that means one of two things. Like you said, that means I'm surrendering my life to be a pastor or a missionary. Nobody ever talks about being called to full-time ministry. And as a result, I'm going to start a business and honor God and glorify God through the products I create and the people that I serve. And that's a, that's a travesty because I'll tell you what it's done is that has pushed a lot of good people into pastoring that God never called to be a pastor. I've seen it time and again, people wanted to serve God with their whole life and they suppressed the very thing that God put in them and tried to push themselves into a mold of being this full-time pastor and they were miserable in the process. And and nobody was blessed by by their leadership or their their service because it was a round peg in a square hole. And I think if we look at a more kingdom reality that there is not a single square inch in this entire universe that Jesus Christ has not planted his flag and said they they are just as much in a sacred line of work as someone standing behind a pulpit and preaching and the calling is real either way like the calling matters, but we've made it to where it's like you're only called if you're doing one of those ministry things, and we, we've we failed to recognize the ministry that's happening in business. So, um, yeah, I, I'm right there with you, man.
0: One of the things I've done, and maybe this is my engineering mindset or 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 just something to try to address that, is I like to use the word assignment instead of calling, just because it seems less permanent, (laughs) you know? Well,
1: that here's what we say to that, Tim, is that your call, because a lot of pastors in our community really get hung up on that when they, when we start encouraging them to, to, Hey, go, go start a business. Then this thing of calling comes up, man, I, am I being, you know, am I, am I being disobedient to my calling? And so we say your calling can look like a lot of different things in different seasons of life. The calling can remain the same, but how that calling gets fulfilled i think sometimes we put way we get way too wrapped around the axle on that idea of calling as if god just has this one thing for us and if we step outside of that in any way we've messed up we've missed our calling yeah. and i think it's led a lot of people to a, a needless frustration and anxiety about you know am i doing what god wants me to do you're calling I like that word assignment because you're calling and look like a lot of different assignments through the years.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it could change. And that way, if, you know, God takes you in a different direction, which we see that in scriptures yep. all the time. I mean, you know, did Moses question his calling in the 40 years that he was, you know, in quote unquote exile or out out in the desert? No, I mean, I, and so which which kind of leads me to. I think the thing that should be one of the ultimate authorities here, and that is Scripture. Um, You know, we we have in our current culture this full-time ministry thought process. But yet, if we go back to the Bible and look for examples, I I think I mentioned earlier, I'm going to read through the Bible. We don't see that many examples of that, do we? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You know, one of the yeah. greatest ministers of all time that wrote most of the New Testament—he made tents.
1: Yeah, no, you're not wrong, and and so I, I hesitate at the point of going across a line and saying that yeah. it is therefore wrong to do it the way yeah. we've done it, because clearly God has, in our, human, in our human limitations and weaknesses, He's used it. He's used the model to bring people to Himself, but it so it's not wrong, but here's some problems that I see with it. First of all, you're 100% right. And as a matter of fact, Tim, I'll tell you a book one time that I kind of credit as ruining my ministry and was the thing that was like, I, I gotta do something different. I'm sure you've heard of Francis Chan and his book, Letters to the Church. He opens that book with the question, if all we had was the New Testament to build our church after and model it after, would, we, would our churches look anything like what they've looked like? And that was a haunting question for me leading a multi-site church. I had cast the vision for this thing. I had called people to follow me. Let's go. Let's build this. And I'm like, I don't know that we built, like, this isn't what we see entirely in the New Testament. And it's not that our hearts were in the wrong place when we did this, but that really rattled me for a while. And I had to to wrestle with that and come to terms with that. Here's some of the problems, Tim, that I see with that model of a full-time professional Pastor. It's not, I'm not going to say it's immoral, but I'm going to say it's not the best. And here's why. First of all, I think that it encourages the body of Christ to sit back and become consumers because we watch the one or two full time paid guys and gals and say, that's why we hired you, Pastor. And Ephesians 4 makes it very clear the pastor's job is not to do all the work of the church, the pastor is to be the equipper of the saints to do the works of ministry. And so when when we force the issue of having a pastor that can't be full-time in the office because they're out in the marketplace, that automatically forces that conversation of, well, I guess the body's going to have to step up and do what God has created the body to do because it's not a one-man show. You know, I, I also don't love what we see in the church today where so many pastors have become dependent upon that one stream of income, and it can cause them at times to hold back in their preaching or their leadership or conf, you know confronting problems because they're afraid of that board that signs their check or that power family in the church that pulls a lot of you know giving and so, and we see that. I mean, I think there's a reason we see the church in the United States drifting far and fast from orthodox truth as revealed in scripture. There's bottom line pastors that are weighing the cost of do I get my pension in two or three years or do I hold the line? of scripture on some of these things that God has been very clear about. And I think we see how that's going. I love the idea of a pastor that's not dependent upon that paycheck. And you're not going to threaten me with, with retribution. If I preach God's word boldly and with power and truth, like I don't need your paycheck. I've got a business over here and it's, it's, you know, compensating me just fine. So I, there's a lot of benefits we see to having pastors out in the marketplace and not in that model of just fully dependent on that one income from a church.
0: Yeah. And just to maybe keep throwing out scripture here, the, the scripture in Matthew 6, 20 something, I don't know, I have exactly, you can't serve two masters. I believe what you just said screams at me and that it is very difficult to, in many situations, do what God's telling us. And also be concerned about our salary, paychecks, and things like that. I, and and the reason I say that is I'm a business guy, and I've dealt with that myself. I mean, we all deal with that, but if you stack the cards against you, <laughs> it makes it even tougher. I I believe so. I, I think that's I think it's kind of it's, it's at the root of our first world issues is how to strike that balance between you know how to, who do we serve, who do we really. Mm-hmm. Serve, and I think going back to maybe some of the roots of what some of the challenges of the church are, they're probably not serving the proper, you know, the two that are, that are there in that uh, in that scripture. And there's probably a lot of other scriptures and all that. And I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't want to beat up on what people are attempting to do, but, but my observation is I've kind of seen this progression. I think people feel like they're supposed to go into a ministry situation. They start leaning that direction. They go, they go get some training or they start doing it. And they, they end up going down and they've got pure hearts. They really do. But then all of a sudden, they're married. They've got kids. You know, their kids can't do certain things. Their wife's scrimping and all that. And then all of a sudden, it starts causing some fuzziness with that that serving, you know, who they're really serving. And then once you kind of start crossing over some of those barriers, it's it all of a sudden compromise, comes in and, and I hate that, but I, I think that's a battle that we all have almost on a sure. daily basis. I'm not sure. saying it's true. We all deal with that. And I had to purge a lot of that as a business guy. So anything else just in general, you know, we're talking general church and all that. I want to kind of, as we move through this, I want to talk more about your background and maybe you can talk a little bit less and kind of how y'all have come to be where you are and, and, and all of that. And then maybe we'll give some tips and pointers as we wrap up, but anything else just in general church church issues that we're facing and and challenges that we have.
1: You know, I'll just mention one other issue, and we won't go deep down this road, but there's two, if you were to ask me what I think the two biggest challenges in the church are, one is the financial uh, struggle for pastors, and we're we're addressing that. The other is how most churches are structured. Um, Again, I don't know where we got this, where we looked at a couple human forms of government, you know, parliamentary procedure. Uh, The federal government of Congress, we look at these institutions of human government and we say, hey, let's build our church like that. Let's set some bylaws in place where we have a board and we've got committees, we've got voting and, you know, this political process that's been brought into the church. That has also added to the stress that so many pastors are under. They feel that they've been called by God to lead a church. And yet they can't lead past these broken, archaic bylaws that put people into leadership roles that God has never called to lead the church. And um, and so you've got pastors that are really locked up. And the reason I'm bringing this up is we run into this quickly when we start having conversations with some in our community about, hey, let's set you free to get out in the marketplace and plant to you know build a business, whatever. That issue is right there to block the door for many because, well, my board won't allow it or my church would vote against that. And again, where we ever got this idea that the church was to be led by a quorum of 51 percent majority vote, whatever, it's just it's it's totally human politics that we've brought into something that I don't we don't see any of that in scripture. You don't see business meetings and voting and Robert's rules of order, which many churches, that is the the document that governs their business meetings and whatever so it's again i'm not saying that god hasn't worked in spite of that but it is a massive problem for the church moving because here i'll tell you this tim we're seeing right now churches that are starting more and more to recognize like they're they're getting close to being on life support and and yet that system will keep them locked in until it's too late to change because they do they will not make the changes necessary to to get out of the the death spiral that they're in and to bring new life and, and go reach their community because the old guard has the votes. They have the political power to just keep this thing going right into the grave. So it's a really hard thing to overcome. I've, I've helped some pastors do that with their churches and rewrite some bylaws and get some healthier um, you know leadership structure in place, but that is almost it, it almost takes an act of Congress to get that through um, in most churches. So anyway, that those yeah. that's another area we see pastors struggling in the church.
0: Well what's amazing too, and I mean this is a somewhat of a sacred cow is that there are a lot of people that they think pastors are supposed to be poor. They 100% they really do. And I'll take it even further the we went to a Bible school, I won't mention the name, got a lot of good stuff there. But also a lot of I saw behind the curtain of a lot of what we're talking about here, because we really are training up people to believe this way. And, yep. and because we were considering my wife and I have our, uh, you know, our masters in biblical studies and, and we were considering getting ordained from this organization that's attached to this Bible school that I will not mention here. And one of the parts, (laughs) we're business people. We we bring in very good income from our businesses and things like that. And one of the requirements for being ordained by this organization is that 80% of all of your money has to come in from the quote unquote ministry.
1: Unbelievable.
0: So I was sitting here doing the math and this was at the time, I was figuring we're gonna have to have seven figures coming in personal income from that ministry to, to be able to i mean they're like baking in poverty mindset
1: 100 percent, and just for the audience and I, I don't want to offend anyone with this but i am not of the what we would call the prosperity gospel no. i i see that as an extreme um you know and again i know i know many in the christian camp are there but but I would contend for, for everyone that's on that side of what I would call, I think it's a ditch. I think it's you've gone off the road when you've gotten to that place of saying that you know your bank account is the you know, equivalent of your faith and God wants everyone to be rich and healthy and all of that. But I would contend for everyone that's on that side of the ditch in the Christian community, there's about 10 on the other side of the poverty, you know, scarcity gospel that somehow has equated the more broke I am, the more hand to mouth I'm living, obviously the more pleasing I am to the Lord. And that could not be more prevalent than in ministry. And it's often unspoken, Tim, like uh, most people won't come right out and say it, but I would just challenge you to think through, think of how many churches, you know, where the pastor could get up on a Sunday and say, I just want to praise God in my, with my church family. I just had the biggest week in my business ever. I just signed the biggest contract. I just made $20,000 this week in my business. Um, you know, most pastors find themselves if they ever get something nice that i need to explain it away. I got a good deal on this car. It's not brand new. You know, we took a vacation, but we, you know, use coupons. And th- they struggle to just stand up and say, "God has blessed me financially, and I'm not ashamed of that. I'm asking for more of that. I'm believing for more of that, and it's okay when good people make good money. They can do good things in the world. But it that that narrative of the starving pastors the real thing, Tim? Like people do not have a framework in their play in in their mindset for a a pastor who's thriving financially. We very much can get our arms around a pastor who can barely make it financially, but that's one of the things that we are working hard with entree pastors to set some pastors free and help them know what it is to thrive financially and not give a crap what gladys thinks about it in the church pew like gladys we love you but i don't care if you think i should be in business or make a decent income or should be poor i don't care about what gladys thinks i care about what my father in heaven thinks and that narrative did not come from god that that is a man-made thing that we've just accepted as part of being in pastoral ministry. And it's time we challenge that and change that.
0: Yeah. I I keep wanting to move off this, but boy, I think I'm really being led to continue kind of going down this path because there's so much good wisdom here that you're sharing. And John, I had two thoughts that kind of came to mind as we were going over there. I want to ask you if we're structured poorly in many of our local churches and things like that, what might be another structure? The reason I want to ask that is that while we were going through our ministry training and all that, my wife and I actually started a 501c3 nonprofit, and it was specifically to to do things like bring business principles into uh, current church settings or whatever ministry settings and we actually I, I actually coach and work with some ministry leaders, not local pastors but ministry leaders helping them have business principles. but I I do believe there's different principles. you you brought up Francis Chan, you know he actually got a lot of criticism because he had a big what many would call mega church that mm-hmm. he basically shut it down and went to some other concepts and a lot of a lot of people felt very condemned by his actions, which he was just trying to follow after the Lord. But but I, 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 there's another thing you said, I'm kind of building up to a question here, was the prosperity gospel. I spent the 90s in what many would be a prosperity gospel church where the pastor was very flashy, cars and name it and claim it, all that kind of stuff. It's kind mm-hmm. of where I was at the time. But what I found is really the Americanized church has a lot of prosperity gospel baked into it, comfort sure. and... You know, all of these things, once I get saved, everything's gonna be great and all of that. That's a bit of a prosperity gospel that runs throughout all that we do. But what you just brought up is that we have poverty mindset and structures. So we've mm. got this prosperity gospel thought process or whatever perception with, with poverty mindset. So having said all that and got a little bit of preachy in my thought process there, what are some structures or something that you can coach or advise Pastor? I mean, like, what if somebody was about to start a ministry right now, and they think they're supposed to be a local pastor, What and they were starting yeah. from zero? What What could we say to do? I mean, go out and get a board, be sponsored by another church, join a denomination? What, what,
1: yeah. what say you? Well, let me be clear, and this won't be popular with a lot of people, but I am a fan of a pastor-led church, meaning that... God, if, if God's called you to be a pastor, he's called you to lead. I, I believe in leadership. I believe that God calls leaders to lead and, um, and he calls others to follow. What I'm not a proponent of and what I'm not prescribing is where a leader runs roughshod over people and has no accountability and nobody that is speaking into their life. We've seen leaders that have gone off the rails in that type of a structure. Um, but I am, I'm a big fan of leaders being set free to lead. And so whatever that structure looks like, ultimately, I'm a fan of a small board, a small leader. I call it more of a leadership team around the pastor that is there to support that pastor, um, to help with the big picture vision and, and to really, th- and I'm not talking about yes men either, like people that will go toe to toe and challenge the thinking and give pushback and say, I don't know, let's, let's seek the Lord on that. Cause ultimately it's Jesus's church it belongs to him so he's some yielded to the world but this thought that we need to have 51 percent of the voting you know members of the church when we talk that way you know members have rights if you are a member of a gym you get rights you have certain expectations if the treadmill breaks hey someone fix the treadmill i'm a member and i i'm paying dues so i expect that to be done when you are an owner like you have responsibility and and God's people need to be owners in the church not members that are treating it like a country club and what are my rights and I get to vote on this and that and again there's there's probably a place for people having their voice heard and you know the body of Christ speaking into some things it can look different in different settings but i am personally a span of leaders being set free to lead and bylaws that support that instead of bylaws at one time I had a friend a mentor of mine say that the average church is structured in such a way that protect the wolves and expose the shepherds that when push comes to shove it's the shepherds who get shown the door and the the political process is such that a carnal Christian or you know a, a deacon with a, you know, burr under his saddle or an ax to grind, he can cause a lot of problems in the church if he can use the bylaws in his favor to to get a pastor voted out or whatever. We hear those stories time and time and time again. Um, and to see churches that aren't can't even move forward past a decision about carpet, you know, what color carpet we're getting in the nursery because it gets bogged down in committee. Again, that sounds so like our Congress, you know, it sounds like a government that's not really known for its efficiency. And yet that is so prevalent in the church of Jesus today that that human system of everyone gets a voice, everyone gets, I'm just a fan of having leaders lead, you know, like if God's called you to lead, then lead. And so we tell pastors when it comes to like launching businesses, Don't ask for permission. I know that sounds a little harsh, but you're not asking for the church's permission to go do what God's called you to do. Like, go start a business. Tell them, I'm starting a business out here. You know, you pay me a salary. It's probably, I can almost guarantee it's not a full-time salary anyway. Even if they say it is, it's probably more equivalent to a very part-time salary. But Let's go build that business up to the point that you don't even need that salary anymore. You know, let's let's get that thing rocking. So anyway, I'm kind of rambling here, yeah, but no,
0: I lo- I, lo- I love that process, and I agree with you. If listen, if they're under the thumb of a handful of people, then in all likelihood, they're not doing what God is telling them and calling them to do. Anyway, they are probably yep. being controlled by them outside of whatever business they may want to start. And I think that's part of what we're talking about, that structure yep. and the process and things like that need to change. I, I think many of them will be concerned that they might lose their full-time, quote-unquote, ministry role. And you know what I'll say? Good. Maybe they should.
1: <laughs> yep. That's where I'm at. I'm, And that's where I don't want that to be a fear anymore of pastors, where that's just not something they're holding that – dearly too, because they recognize that regardless of where their income is coming from, they're in ministry and they're in full-time ministry, even if 80% of their time is running a business out in the marketplace and 20% of their time is using the gifts that God has given them in this community called the church. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm very okay with that.
0: Yeah. I I think that, and I mean, we say this in the business world all the time, if it's time for people to go, it's time to go. And just because it's a Uh, a quote-unquote small c church role that's okay too yeah one of my best stories coming out of someone that was starting a church it didn't go as planned so he kind of had to back away from it and he started driving for uber and lyft and i keep in touch with him because he's a good friend of mine and you know it's interesting we talk about you know marketplace christianity and businesses mission and just being out in the world I can almost guarantee you, you would be hard pressed to find anyone that is able to minister to more people than him. Oh, 100%, yes. Think about the people getting in and out of his car, late night in bars. You know, when he all of a sudden sees that the destination is Planned Parenthood, guess what he's got that it's rare for a minister to have. Yep. He's got a real ministry opportunity for about the next 30 minutes.
1: Absolutely. Anyway. Go figure, there's actually unsaved people out in the marketplace. Like that's where the very people are that Jesus called us to reach. So what would it look like if the leaders in this movement were actually out there instead of inside the walls of this institution we've built? So So, uh, we love it, man.
0: So, John, you obviously are thinking outside the box. What you and uh, Les are doing is really beyond a lot of what we would say traditional roles in ministry. Give us a little background. You know, one of the things we really talk about here is redefining success. So somewhere along the way, I think both of y'all kind of grew up in and around ministry. Yeah. Somewhere along the way, you started changing your perspective and thought process. I don't know if that was a significant event or just a, a long journey. Give us a little background and tell how that came to be.
1: Well, Les also grew up in in uh, full time pastoral ministry. He saw that his dad also owned a grocery store at at some point in his uh, journey. So he he had that side of things as well. But for for my story, yeah, I grew up in that, and I and by the way, I had a great experience. Some pastors' kids can't say that. I I fell in love with the church. I really did. I learned to love the local church. I love the community. I love serving in the church. Um, but I did watch my parents struggle financially and I made that correlation at a young age because we are pastors, we are poor like that. And I didn't really question it a whole lot. I mean, there were times along the way I wished that wasn't the case. That was probably one of the biggest things that kept me from surrendering to God's calling that I sensed he was leading me to, to preach. And I, I ran from that calling for a while. And that was again, probably a big part of it. And here's the thing, when I finally came to that point of surrender, it be clear it wasn't just the money. I was afraid to preach. I was afraid of all of it. So I was like, God, I think you're making a big mistake asking me to to do this. But somewhere in there, I also made the the willful decision to not do well financially. That in order to say yes to God's calling to preach, that also means I'm gonna not do very well financially. And it's amazing when you make a mental choice, a decision like that subconsciously like the rest of it lines up so for a good part of my pastoral life and it's not that we were broke or in you know excessive poverty but living in that place of man i hope when we run the debit card at the grocery store i hope that there's enough in there to clear and we have enough for groceries like i i regret the, that many years of putting that kind of pressure on my wife and family when i could have said from the beginning no it's not going to be that way like i'll serve god i'll be obedient to that for me, it had to come to a point, our church took off, it grew, everything was going up and to the right. We we grew to six different locations, had a really awesome story. And then we hit this financial skid. We, we went in as a church, we went into a season of about three years of our, our local farmers were really up against some stuff that affected our giving. We had some key families move out of the area, it was nothing like controversial, but financially, our budget got cut in more than half. And w- when I started to have to lay off staff, and then when my finally when my own salary had to get cut significantly, I was grateful that at that point I had another full-time firefighting job in addition to the pastoring that, that helped carry us through. But I came to this realization, I am working two full-time jobs for the equivalent of like one salary. And I just decided enough is enough. For me, and there, there was more to it than that as well. Like I was starting to see my season in that lead pastor role. I, I ended up being in that role for 17 years, and I saw me entering into a new season of ministry where I'm working with many churches behind the scenes by serving their pastors through what I'm doing now. Um, but it, it was time. It was time for me to step out of that role and to step into something more profitable. And um, I'm, I've am i been on that journey, but boy, I had to work through some stuff mentally, Tim. There's some mental uh, mindset stuff that I had to work through in that transition. And it was in that journey I realized, man, if I'm here, how many other pastors are in this same place? And what would it look like if we show them a similar path? Their, their story probably will look different than mine, but what if we showed them a path forward to, to get to a place where they're not dealing with some of that stuff I just described? scribe. So that's a little bit of my background and kind yeah. of how I got to where I am. I'm
0: I'm just curious, I want to dig a little bit deeper on some of the things you really struggle with with that mental aspect, because I th- think someone listening in this might be as valuable as anything we've discussed. But because you mentioned it earlier, we've seen we've seen a lot of pastors what I think the world or church people like to call fall you know compromise they whatever words we want to use and and i i've not shied away from having conversations about that from a leadership standpoint
1: sure Uh, you
0: know just if if they're just being a jerk that's not right if they're doing a lot of other stuff that's not right either you know with with you know messing around or um you know sexual stuff or you know pornography anything that we want to bring up and, and so I'm just curious from a standpoint of obviously you had at some point you had some confidence that you were doing what God wanted you to do. And then at some point along the way, that started shifting and some stuff starts happening inside your head. And yeah. to whatever extent you would like to share what's going on in the head of someone, because it can manifest in a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Well, first of all, yeah, I just want to say uh, I, I agree with that. As far as shooting our wounded, the pastors who fall or step into you know moral failure, or whatever, in no way do I condone those actions. But I also we recognize that when people are under stress, sometimes they turn. You know, we all cope with stress. We turn to different things, and and sometimes those things th- that become very unhealthy are us searching for relief from the, the pain and the stress that we're in. So that doesn't condone those moral failures or those poor choices. Cause a lot of people get hurt in the wake of those leaders who fall like that. Um, but, but certainly there's, there's more to it behind the scenes than just man. He, he cheated and, on his wife or yeah, go it, ahead.
0: And one piggyback, does it, does it ever cause one to question their faith because someone in full-time ministry, the, the people I've seen that are moving in that direction have this thought that God's going to take care of everything and everything's going to be awesome. I mean, that's a little bit exaggerating, but I think you know what I mean? Yeah. So all of a sudden when, you know, church is going down, staff having to let people go, close down facilities, whatever it might be. What does that do for one's faith? Also, if they're thinking everything's going to be so—that's the—that's the prosperity piece that I was talking about yeah. earlier. That we think everything's going to be awesome. That's never promised to us. Yeah.
1: So I'll share you just with you transparently. I had many conversations with the Lord in that season where, where. The the stress was mounting, the financial pressure, the things that I was asking for, and I was claiming the promises in Scripture, like God, you said, all we have to do is ask, and in your name, and it, it'll be done. And and I'm praying for needs in our building, and our budget, and our attendance, and and all these things. And here's this is gonna sound negative, and I don't mean it that way. I came to the conclusion, Tim, that God was not as concerned about those things that I thought were important and that first that so that was a crisis of my own faith not in god but faith in the system like i basically heard god saying john i don't care about your building that much i i don't care that much about the budget that's struggling like and so it never really rocked my faith in god it rocked my faith in man i built something and 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 god allowed it i mean he walked with me i walked with him to some degree like he blessed this for a while But then I just feel like God quit blessing it. And I don't know what to make of that entirely, but I'm just like, okay, it's time for me to be done in this capacity, in this role, because I'm going to move on to something different that God is blessing. And so it's, I don't claim to have it all figured out, but I just knew at that season in that church with, with my leadership, like I had done what all I could do and I didn't have a clear vision of, hey, let's throw everything out. And, and so like, I had, I had cast the vision for that. I had led people to this place, so it's really hard to say, "Hey, let's let's burn it all down," you know. And, And I didn't know that that was the right decision anyway. So it was like it's time for me to transition out of this. So it was a crisis of faith, but not not my core faith of who holds my salvation and you know who my ultimate faith is in. But faith in so much of the system that I had been taught. This is what success looks like in the church. These are the these are the targets we should all be shooting for. I came to realize, at least in my story, God wasn't that concerned about those targets. They they weren't his targets. So I had to shift.
0: Yeah, I want to remind everyone that one of our taglines here at Seat Go Create is redefine success. And you almost said it perfectly there, is that many times the what, what we perceive as quote unquote success, that's not really what God, I mean, I, I can almost hear God saying to me at times, I didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> that's yeah. not, that's all you, <laughs> you know, You that's all your deal there. But but I did this, but I did this, Lord. Yeah, I know you did it. That wasn't me. I didn't ask you to do that. I mean, we've got examples all throughout scripture of that. We should know yeah. better, but yet we yep. don't. I do love, John, that you did the one thing that I, this is the one uh, immutable truth is that you sought the Lord instead of seeking medication or solutions, and, and you may have done some of that too, because I think we're we're all human, you know, And but I think one of the challenges we see, and if we can say anything to encourage someone who might be in a similar situation right now that's listening, uh, you, you know, don't start surfing around on the internet, don't start, yeah. you, know, you know, in your counseling sessions, fantasizing and stuff like that, don't start going out to local places and all that, don't do any of that right. mess, seek the Lord. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I can just say and, and thank you for that Tim and what I can tell you is cuz I don't want to appear holier than now yeah, I yeah. didn't by God's grace I didn't go down some of those roads that I've seen my brothers in pastoral ministry do from time to time my my thing is I'm an emotional eater so when I'm stressed I eat when I'm happy I eat when I'm you know worked up about something I eat so it's I don't want to give this this yeah, yeah. idea that I just handled it all with with perfection but by God's grace I did largely do that I did not leave him in that process. Like, God, I still believe you're good. I still believe you have a good plan for my life. But this thing that I was told that we need to be working for, that this is what it's supposed to look like. I don't think it looks like that. And I think it takes a little bit of humility to say that it takes some courage to look that in the face and say, then what does it look like? Well, I don't have that all figured out, but I'm willing to take that journey and Um, And I, again, I don't want to just totally burn down the ship for the people that still, and by the way, I'm not an anti-church guy. We need the church. We need Christian community around us. So I see people get into trouble when they go, yeah, just I'm done with church. I'm over that. Like we still need people in our life. We still need biblical, godly accountability and authority in our life and leadership. So I'm not saying just burn the whole thing down, but I'm, I'm very much a fan of like Let's let's figure out what this is supposed to look like in this season, in this culture, and let's move toward a healthier, you know, representation of the body of Christ than what we've known.
0: So one of the things that I believe it's one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation, John, is that yeah, I mean, we're not going to burn things down, but it's very apparent that uh, I believe the Lord is doing something in this season and in this place yes. and with with not just what we call church, but the world. And so I think people like what what you and Les are doing step in and can provide some solutions. So what I'd like to do here in our last few minutes together is I'd love for you to talk about what it is. and and I, And I want to kind of frame the listener. There could be someone who's listening that need this or they may have a pastor friend, or go to a church, or something like that. So, don't check out just because you're not a pastor. Yeah, that's but good. What are you guys? What What did that lead to you setting up, and what are you doing to help with the situation?
1: Yeah, that's so good. It, we have our signature offer is what we call a pastor's roadmap to financial freedom, and it's basically a four-module course that has some coaching built around it, but it that we use the acronym MAPS, M-A-P-S. So real quick, it's mindset. We have a whole module on mindset and helping a pastor get squared away on their thinking and their thought process behind wealth and money and calling and business and all of that. The A is assessment. Let's really help you assess how God has shaped you, uniquely wired you to serve him and to serve other people. So we walk them through some tools to help them really get a good picture of how they're wired for that the p this is where it really gets fun that stands for pathways and we have three different kind of broad pathways that we suggest you know pastors may look at choosing one i mean ultimately you can have several you can have businesses in different realms if you want but to get started let's choose a pathway and let's get you moving down that pathway the s is strategy so now that we've decided kind of a course of what type of business you're going to be in Now let's build some strategy around that of how do you launch an LLC and how do you get your business banking set up and some of those, you know, just logistical things that sometimes keep, uh, you know, the marketing piece of it that keep someone locked up from getting a business started. So our whole goal by the time someone comes through that course is to put a roadmap in their hand that has them now taking action moving forward to a place of experiencing that financial freedom that's coming from business and entrepreneurship not having their church pay more cuz the giving is up and all of that stuff you know that's a really horrible business model if that's mm-hmm. your only thing you're dependent upon so mm-hmm. that's that's really what we offer for pastors
0: so one thing that's fascinating to me i'm going to ask you this question cuz you brought up the coaching uh, portion of that. And I I consider myself, I'm I'm a coach. I work with executive teams and VR Foundation, our nonprofit. I actually work with ministry leaders. I I actually, and I, I don't think I'm putting the coaching role at a higher level than it should be, but my observation for people that are really doing coaching in today's world is it's one of the best examples of pure discipleship that we have in our society today. And I'm not saying it's the best. And that's, I mean, I think we should be having it in a lot more areas, but you guys probably spend a lot of time. You coach, you call people out if they need to be called out. You encourage when you need to encourage, you give them paths and options and things like that. That to me... (laughs) sounds like discipleship.
1: Yeah, I think the word discipleship, leadership, coaching, that they're all synonymous. Those those are all the same things in many in many ways because it's life on life. That's what it is. And you're pouring into someone and mentoring them, guiding them, you know, from where they are to where where they'd like to be. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah, John, what are some of the things that I think you mentioned some earlier, maybe their board won't let them or their mindset, but what are some hindrances to someone stepping into uh, the structure and the system that you guys have with entree pastors. And then I'm going to go ahead and ask my next follow-up question, can you have can you give us some success stories? Can you give us some you don't have to give names or anything, but tell us some examples that have worked out and then I may have one more question, but that I'm going to give you some time to to talk about those two some things that might keep someone from stepping into what you guys do and then success stories.
1: Yeah. In addition to the ones I've already mentioned, another really big, yeah, but, well, I'll give you two. One is time. You know, the average pastor's overworked already. They're already working way too much, and so they'll say, I'm already too busy, and now you want me to go launch a business. But there again, that's the point. Let's really look at the how you're using your time. We all have the same 24 hours in a day, and chances are really good, because of this broken structure we call the church, you, you're you're working way too long for people who think they own you and they don't. And we need to get you set free on that. And guess what? We'll create the time and space and margin in your life, not just for business, but for some of these other things that are probably being neglected as well. So time, I don't have the time to launch a business is a big one. The other one is pastors say, I can't afford You guys, I I would love to go through this roadmap to financial freedom. I'd love to be in your mastermind. I can't afford it, and so again, that's it's maybe a reality, but something we got to coach around. Like we want to help you get to the place where that's not a limitation anymore. Where to pay five hundred dollars a month to be in our mastermind is not something that is like, oh my goodness, I can't see that. Like it's there because you're creating that wealth and income through your business. Um, success stories oh man we've got like I'll tell you about Gwen she's one of our rock stars that her and her husband launched a archery business that had been a dream of theirs for a long time it is up off the ground they're in the schools they've got tournaments in, the, in you know coming to their location now they're, they're in Oklahoma and uh, they credit in large part entree pastors with really giving them the push and the guidance to get that thing up and off the ground. I'm thinking of an, another pastor right now that uh, has launched a pressure washing business that uh, started with us and really didn't know which direction he was going to go. He's out in the community having a blast doing pressure washing. Um, we just heard from a pastor this week who went through one of our who went through that roadmap, and he's like, "I've got so many ideas, and I'm seeing progress in some of these areas." And that stuff lights my fire, man. When I get those messages from our pastors that are moving forward down this road and starting to see the fruit, um, it's, it lights me up. So yeah, we've got many success stories of pastors that are doing it.
0: Yeah. One of the things that just crossed my mind is that it would be so beautiful if either some of the church boards or whatever would back up some of the funding, or if there were some people in the congregations that would support, I mean, I I mean, I. Truthfully, our our foundation may have some interest in scholarshipping or doing some things like that. I I do think people need to pay some on their own, though. Yeah, you know I'm I mean? torn Don't on to that. Skin in the game.
1: <laughs> exactly, I'm torn on that. That's the many pastors' first go-to is, "Well, let me have my church pay for it." And I'm not always opposed, but it's the, if, if something's given for free, and we've seen that actually, we've seen where if something's given for free, it's it's valued at that. So I do I love the idea of a scholarship, but I also there needs to be some kind of skin in the game that cause when I hired my first professional coach at a thousand dollars a month, I you better believe I showed up motivated to those calls because I've never had a thousand dollar a month payment on anything ever. <laughs> so to invest that into coaching uh felt terrifying at the time. So I get it.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with all that. And I I I think back to some masterminds I've been a part of. This was when we had real estate companies, so it's a higher ticket. Um, You know, these were six-figure masterminds, six figures a year we spend. It's all relative, but uh, I do agree. And and some of these things are valuable. I think it would be so cool and I'm not one, but if y'all have got masterminds where people get together and y'all meet on a regular basis, man, I'd love to be in that group. (laughs) I'd love to be a part of it because you've got people that are hearing from God, I would hope. And then you've got people that are pursuing business. That is my jam. That is where I love hanging out with people. So, someone who's a pastor that's just interested, I'm guessing that the Holy Spirit shows up in those sessions too, right?
1: Absolutely. We, we meet every week. We have powerful conversations. We have some great, I would call them kind of the one percenters because they're Pastors that get it and they're doing it, man. They're doing it in the or they're they're on that journey. You know, they're different places in the journey, but man, if you want to do that, uh, we can turn this interview into a sales call real quick and uh, get you signed up. So we we can talk about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if I'd be a good fit for some reasons, but for other reasons, I think I'd love to be a part of that. So hey, John, let's do this in just a couple minutes. I I, I do this from time to time. And I feel like this is a good opportunity. I just I just like to pause and let you either something that the Holy Spirit wants you to say or something that you need to encourage. If there's a, a pastor or someone who might know a pastor who's still listening in, I just want you to give you some time to say whatever you want to say to that person that might be listening in. And then we've got a few things to wrap up and then we'll uh, finish up. So
1: yeah, See what's good. on your heart thank you for that opportunity. And one thing I always say is that I want to be an encouragement in these conversations because it is heavy. It's heavy stuff we're talking about. But I want to say, whether you're a pastor listening to this or just a regular old church person, right, a kingdom uh, dweller, um, I want you to know that there is freedom. We have way more freedom than what we've probably been led to believe. We've been given such a narrow vision of what the church can be or what it should look like. And so whether you're a pastor, if you're a pastor, I want you to lean into that freedom and understand like you can move in a lot of directions and God's not disappointed in you. And and if you are part of the church and you're trying to figure out your place in all of this, man lean into that as well like grant that freedom to your pastor to your church congregation and be excited about it what could what if god doesn't want your church to look like every cookie cutter every other church what if what if he had a unique calling just for your church to do something very unique in your community i think there's a lot more freedom so hopefully that's a word of encouragement and excitement for some people and not this drudgery of like we're doing it all wrong it's like no it's freedom it's an invitation to to live free instead of trying to be in this mold that someone told us church needs to look like. So,
0: Amen. I love that. I love that. Let's stretch ourselves a little bit. Redefine what success might look like. Hey, John, where do you want to send people if they want to connect or get more info or whatever? Where do you want people to go?
1: Absolutely. The easiest place to reach us is online at entrepastors.com. So again, the word entrepreneur and pastor, just take the entree, put it next to pastor, entrepastors.com. We'd love to serve you in any way that we can there.
0: Good. We'll include some links. Hey, John, uh, we're seek, go create. Last question. I want to give you one of those words to choose over the other two that might just resonate or speak to you right now and why.
1: I love all three of those words, but if you force me to choose one, Tim, I'm going, what, what do you think I'm going to choose? Do do you have any thoughts?
0: Mm, Yeah, I think you're going to go seek maybe. (laughs) No, I'm no. going create.
1: I'm going create. They're all great words, but uh create, man. I uh we we are created in the image of our creator and and as a result, we've been created to create. And so, I think in our culture, Tim, sadly, we've become way more consumers in the church than than creators. We've been consumers. Consumers of culture instead of creating it. And I just think God is put, and of course, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm projecting that on everyone. Maybe not well, but I know everyone was created to create, so I can say that. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to be creative, but God put you here to make something. He put you here to create some relationships, to create some businesses, to create some impact. So go create that stuff, man. Figure out what it is God put you here to create and go do it. I, I love the creative process. And uh, I love that word. So let's go create something.
0: Yeah, that's good. Good, good, good. Man, I love this conversation. I knew that I would. And I'm going to ask the big favor. If you've listened in on this, take a screenshot either on your podcast player, if you're on one of our socials and share this episode, I can guarantee you that as we were speaking, as either John was given word of encouragement or we were talking about things related to the church, all the good and the bad and stuff that's going on, you said, so-and-so needs to hear this. Right now, share it with them. Share it with them because that's the best way that messages like this on podcast and YouTube and things get out because sometimes these aren't searchable. (laughs) We need people like you to help us share the message. So definitely do that and uh and get the word out with people this has been such a great conversation if you're in the pastor role or know someone make sure you go check out entree pastors and uh, continue checking out all the notes and all we've got at SeatGoCreate.com. all that we've said is in great outline form there remember we've got new episodes every monday until next time continue being all that you were created to be